a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as I mentioned, uh, we always love to get some additional brain power in the building, uh, even if it's remote and social distance. Uh, but Jason Perry, uh, who is uh, from the Hinckley Institute of Politics up at the University of Utah, uh, we always like to pick his brain. He's also the vice president for government relations uh, up there at the U, as well as being the director of the Hinckley Institute that we partner with uh, for all of our polling. And uh, Jason, thanks for joining us on a Monday. I'm so glad to be with you, Boyd, particularly talking about politics right now. It's just the right thing to be doing. <laughs> just a few things going on. And obviously we're getting, uh, we're one week out from Labor Day, and it seems to me that everything starts to to pivot uh, as we get to Labor Day. We've made it through both the virtual conventions, and uh, so let's talk about that first. Uh, what were your takeaways uh, from the two conventions? What did the Democrats do and learn, and what did the Republicans do and learn? Well, it's interesting to see how the both of them had to adapt to what ha- what is going on around us. The pandemic has forced everyone to change their approach and how they do this. The Democrats, of course, all uh, virtual, and I feel like they did a really great job uh, in terms of uh, presenting the party, but also in how they handled the technology. Uh, in, in some ways, it, I think it made it so that they were able to really stage the whole event. There's not a whole lot of opportunity for gas or things like that that might have happened. They were able to stage that pretty well. And I thought their message was very interesting. It was almost like uh, big tent Democrats. This was the message. I'm, this is my takeaway from how they did it, which was it's time for all the Democrats to come home, right? It's us. No longer divisions within the party for the Democrats. It's just all of us together, and we're just going to take all of us. That was kind of the key takeaway from the Democrats, I, I thought. And I, I think this is to part of your question, too. I, I bet we see a lot of this going forward, even in campaigns in the future, more, more technology infused yeah. in it, more ability for us to do it like that. Yeah, I, I think that's so uh, interesting. The, the one thing that I think it takes out of <laughs> – the uh, the convention is, you know, is the gaff moment or the, the speaker that, you know, either lights it up or just melts down. Uh, you know, you never know who's going to go crazy at one of those conventions. And so I, I have to admit the there was part of me that sort of missed that dynamic. But uh, but what did the Republicans do? What did the Republicans learn? Well, so the, the Republicans uh, had a, a different approach. A lot of it was done virtually as well. A speaker at a podium to an empty room, but all of us got to watch uh, that, that wanted to. Uh, and then, of course, they had a lot of people together at the end to listen to the to the to the final uh, to listen to President Trump uh, in particular. Um, what was interesting from from all those speeches, apart from what I have to say, was maybe the greatest fireworks show I've ever seen. <laughs> That's right. In my life. I, I think that's that's something that Democrats and Republicans alike agreed on. And, and normally the Democrats know how to throw the better parties. Uh, traditionally, they know how to do the balloon drop better. But, uh, yeah, the Trump organization definitely nailed the uh, the fireworks display on the uh, on the mall. Yeah, people are voting in terms of the fireworks. Uh, it was probably there on that <laughs> side. But I'll, I'll tell you, so it's a little different different approach from the Republicans in terms of 
um, of their their key messaging. And I think a lot of it, what really was, what we heard from, well, both sides, but, but Republicans in particular, this is the most important election of our lives. Boy, I know that you and I hear this. <laughs> There are people saying, there's no bigger, more important time. It's, it's the enemy versus us. And uh, there's a lot of that right there saying this is you know where uh, the principles are going to be set. They're going to control the rest of our lives. There was a lot of that kind of talk there on the Republican side. And I think for, for many in, in the Republican Party, that did, that did hit a mark, that it became sort of the battle is waging and we must be part of it. Yeah, and it, and it felt to me, I thought it was interesting uh, for an incumbent president it felt more like he and of course the president does like to counterpunch so it was almost as if they were setting it up as oh hey the democrats are in charge and in power and so we we got to fight our way out of this thing it was kind of the rallying cry that's exactly what it was uh and and, and i think it may be a little bit well it was positioning from the president too i mean sometimes you get a president that's going to that second term and they just tout all the great things they did and this is why you should put me back but i think you know the message here was we're still in peril this is you know this is some work that must be done that we can't let our guard down it wasn't really like the person that's on the top just kind of making sure they stay on top he tried to position himself as maybe being still the outsider, the, still the one that has to fight against the the other side, and that was just a theme through most of most of it, but particularly with the president. Yeah, so it's going to be fascinating. So, what do you expect uh, the the pivot? Now we know uh, Joe Biden is actually going to uh, do a public event today. Uh, we know the president is going to head to Wisconsin tomorrow. Uh, what do you think is going to happen uh, in the uh, coming days uh, as we kind of pivot past Labor Day? Yeah, so we're going to see these campaigns ramp up to a serious extent. We've had some going right now, but it's going to be more of them trying to get the face-to-face as well as they can, starting after Labor Day. These are two events you described are just the start of what we're going to try to see. It is so difficult for these candidates to present in a traditional way to the voters. And uh, they're going to try to do some of these events where they kind of try to keep something safe, now, some distancing, some protocols, it's going to be very hard. And so they are going to try to, to meet with people as much as they can, which is something they've not been able to do. But I'll tell you, boy, here's what I'm concerned about uh, as they try to do this, is it's going to take effort from us as the voters, since it's not since it's going to be so different in how we interact with them. Yeah. Uh, they may come to the states, they'll hold these rallies, but it's going to take effort from all of us to understand those issues in uh, in, in non traditional ways. It, it is we can't really just let it be fabulous like maybe we've been able to do in the past. It's going to require work from, yeah. the, from the voters. Uh, that, that that is a great point. I appreciate you bringing that up, Jason, because it is going to be a we the people issue, less uh, dependent on the campaigns because there's just no way for them to deliver in the current environment uh, much more dependent on us uh, doing everything from fact checking to uh, you know making sure we don't buy into whatever the latest conspiracy theory is from either the right or the left or in between uh, and and really own that as voters uh, Jason I want to get you real quick uh, let's bring it back down to the local level here uh, a few key races that uh, should be interesting the governor's race of course is always interesting we're going to have uh, former governor Mike Levitt we're going to talk about transition planning coming up here at 1135 uh, but we also have of course the fourth district which will always be the most competitive district in the state it seems uh, break those down for us real quick well, we well, start with the governor's race. Uh, you're right. Uh, you're right to be talking about transition. Uh, what's important about that particular race for the state of Utah, as far as I'm concerned, really is who is going to best lead us out 
uh, of not just the pandemic, but the economic ramifications coming from it. And it's impacted everything from our schools to our business to our nonprofits. And so I think uh, for that governor's race, the right thing to be looking at is these key issues of, of who has the best idea to get us out of that. And I think, and Mike Levitt, I'm so glad you're talking to him because, you know, he, he's done transition plans, not just for himself, but for even for presidential candidates. This is the right thing to be thinking about. This is, there's no time right now for us to be kind of building while we're flying. We have to think about everything. And when we're thinking about the governor's race, I, I think that's, at least that's what I'm looking at as the voter is when I look at these candidates, who is going to be most effective in helping us? And I, and these candidates are going to have their plans. And as, as voters, we're going to have to vet them, think about them, see where they go. That's right. the governor's race, Boyd. All right. 30 seconds. Give us a, a quick snapshot. Uh, how's that fourth okay. congressional going to shape up for us? Tight as can be is the answer. <laughs> it's going to be to the end. What we're going to start seeing after Labor Day, and we have to be careful of too, is this is when the outside money starts yes. coming in. So we know these candidates, but we got it. we all have to have find a way from both sides to wade through the outside interest and get to the Utah interest. That's what I think people need to do in this fourth congressional race because everyone in the country is watching it. Uh, fantastic, and I hope we can demonstrate the Utah model in a different way of having these conversations. Uh, as you mentioned, I think that's so critical. Those outside interest, the outside money comes in, and it's usually bare knuckle politics kinds of things. Uh, a lot of accusations, a lot of you know things thrown up against the wall, and uh, we got to get to the the better part of that. Jason Perry, Vice President of Government Relations and Director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the University of Utah. Jason, always appreciate you in, your insight. We'll have you back real soon. Sounds great. Thanks, boys. All right. Uh, again, very good uh, from Jason Perry. Always love his insight. Uh, and again, I, Jason hit a crucial point there that I just want to hammer home. This is the time for us as we the people. It's up to you this year. You, you can't be spoon-fed from from any media source, from anything online, from any commercial ad. Uh, this is all about us being informed voters and then actually making the vote happen. All right, we're going to step aside. As mentioned, when we come back, former Governor Mike Levitt help us talk about transition planning. You don't want to miss it on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.